0: Tonight I'm going to talk to you, teach you on breakthrough. We're going to talk about the four C's that it takes to have a a breakthrough. And and I'm just going to recap uh, for a moment on what we talked about on Sunday. You know, we talked about vision, right? And and we talked about the story of Joseph in the Old Testament in the the Bible, and how Joseph, at age 17, that he received a dream, he received two dreams from the Lord. And Joseph was excited, he was passionate but he was immature, and he shared those dreams immediately with his brothers and his, his parents and, and basically said, hey, you know, uh, you're going to bow down and, and worship me. And because he received the dream, he thought that that dream was going to immediately come to fruition. And, you know, as we talked through, there was quite a journey, quite a process between the, the time that he received the dream at age 17 and the time that the dream became fulfilled when he was around 39 years old. You know, he went to the pit, you know, his brothers put him in a pit, they ended up selling him to... To Potiphar, um, and he needed to be at Potiphar. He needed to learn some skills. He Needed to to have his character developed. Um, then he found himself back in prison. He kept taking steps backwards. You know, Tina shared uh, this with me out, out of Genesis Franklin's book. He said, you know, everything that, that Joseph did from the time he received the dream, it was like he took a step backward into the pit, step backward to Potiphar's place. You know, step back for, step backward into prison, and then step backward, and then the final step backward. He was literally sitting on the throne and he was the second in charge of all of Egypt underneath the Pharaoh. And so, you know, it's like in a lot of times in, in our lives, we think we're moving backwards, but really God's got a plan for our lives and, and he's moving us forward, which is an awesome thing. Amen. Um, you know, touch on, on just the church vision once again. You know, I asked Pastor about this today. You know, the vision of Faith Family Church when it was birthed 39 years ago, was to build a supernatural church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And that's, you know, that's the focal point. That's, that's the vision of Faith Family Church, and you really think about that. And, and I, I messaged Pastor Vicky last week, and I said, you know, how did that come about? And she said, you know, after listening to, to Brother Hagan, they were able to get taught directly from Kenneth Hagan at Rama uh, for one of the school years. She said he taught on the supernatural how to walk in the supernatural because we serve a supernatural God. And then when Pastor Mike and, and her were praying, that's just how it came up in their spirit, you know, was to go and build a supernatural church. And and so you think about that, they were there learning all this stuff, and and you know, just such revelation to them of, of how they could live and walk in victory. And they were like, Man, we have to go teach this to a, a body of believers, a, a church somewhere. And and Pastor Mike was sitting in class towards the end of, of college down there at Ramah, and every imagine this, everybody else in school knew what they were going to go do but him. He was the only one that didn't know, you know, where he was going to be, where he was going to be ministering and so forth. And he's sitting in class one day and he said it was literally like a drop of hot oil come down and hit him in the head. And then it, you know, and this is in, you know, the natural, but he said he just felt it come over his whole body. And once it got to his belly, he started laughing for Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And that's how they ended up here. And you think about vision, right? Having that vision, you know, having a couple people that they met with, they certainly didn't see having this church and, and you know, all these people that show up and all the lives that have been changed in the last 39 years. But you know, it's, it's really knowing that story and capturing that vision because that's what we're running with. We're running the vi- with that vision. You know, the Habakkuk, it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that they may run who hear it. So we hear the vision and then we're to go out and, and make that vision a reality. You know, he talked about the three tenets, faith, is the foundation. Family is, is the backbone of, of Faith Family Church. And then it used to be Faith Family Church and Outreach and outreach was the lifeline. So when, when you come in here and you get poured into, then you're to go out into the you know the marketplace where you're working on a daily basis and, and the people that you're around, and you're to be the lifeline between what you learn here, you know, just like they learned it down at Ramah and brought it up here, we're to be doing those, the same things and, and going out in the, the highways and byways and, and sharing it with them. Amen? And so that's, that's vision. So tonight, we're going to talk about breakthrough, and I'm going to talk about the four C's. And the four C's are... Number one, you got to commit. Number two, you got to have courage. Number three, you got to develop some capabilities. And number four, confidence comes. And, and that's how you uh, achieve a breakthrough. And, and, you know, it can be a breakthrough in any area of your life. It can be obviously spiritually, where you maybe need to break through in some, some areas. It could be in a marriage or, or with your family. It could definitely be in your finances or your health, your career or business. Again, any area of life this applies to. Amen? So, you know, how, how this came about for me was uh, in 2019 when we had some adversity and, and you know, our, our main business, our main income stream was shut off and then had some adversity in the, in the gym as well. You know, I was talking to a business coach and, and I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm explaining to him kind of, you know, the basically what went on. And and he's just listening and, and uh, you know, asking me some more questions and so forth. And I said, you know, over and over, I said, it just feels like my confidence has been shaken. You know, I just, I just feel like I need a win. Like, I just got to get my confidence back. And I, and I said that repeatedly. And finally, he stopped me and he said, you know, do you know how confidence comes? And I said, well, you know, I would assume by, you know, putting your head down and, and just taking massive action. And he said, no, that's not it at all. You, you need a breakthrough. And this wasn't a spiritual conversation by any means. It was, a, it was more of a business conversation. But when I heard that, I, I thought, okay, you know, and he goes, have you heard the four C's to how you break through. And, and I said, no, I don't think so. And he went on to explain it to me and as he was, as he was teaching it to me, I was like, man, you know, scriptures just started coming to my mind of, of how I could apply it to each of these areas. And so again, this is kind of the back story. And, and I always think like, you know, rather than going out and studying something that I don't know about, it's like why not share what's going on in your own life because we all have adversity, we all have challenges, we all need breakthroughs. So again, it's just you can apply this hopefully to your own life and, and uh, glean some things out of here. Breakthrough, by, by definition of the dictionary, it says it's overcoming something and, and having an achievement. It's moving through or beyond an obstacle. So you're breaking through and, and you're moving through an, an, or, or beyond an obstacle. Now, spiritually speaking, I believe a breakthrough is, is breaking free from the past and breaking into the future. You know, and, and this is a great opportunity to, Bring up that scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget all that is, all that, uh, that has happened in the past, and, and compared to what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a brand new thing. So again, breakthrough is forgetting the past because God's going to do a brand new thing. Uh, he says, don't you see it? I make a road through the wilderness, and I'm, I create rivers in the desert. You know, in, 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 a, in a wilderness, you can't see two feet in front of your head or in front of your, your face and he said, "I'm going to create a road through there." And you know, we, we know that there's no rivers in the desert, but again, those are the things that God's going to do. And and, and that's that's a breakthrough, amen. And you know, I think spiritually, I think any time a person is is born again or or water baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, that's breakthrough. Anytime somebody gains a deeper understanding of of biblical truth and they have they gain revelation. If they they maybe receive an answer to prayer, that that's uh, breakthrough, You know, definitely winning victory over any sin that's besetting. What's a besetting sin? Some, a sin that just keeps you ensnared and you keep coming back around to it and back around to it and back around to it and finally end up having breakthrough. But there's some steps that have to happen with it. So many times, you know, we want, and, and nothing wrong with, you know, praying the prayer of agreement with somebody else, but a lot of times we want to we wanna put the responsibility on somebody else. Hey, you lay hands on me and you pray for me and I'm going to let your faith Heal me, or, or let your faith, you know, break through for me. When God wants you, you know, to to get in this book yourself, get in this word yourself, and spend time with Him and find out what this says, and actually apply it to your life. And that takes discipline, and that takes work. And it's not, you know, I love it when miracles happen. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love it when you you get prayed for and immediately, you know, there's a miracle. But sometimes it takes time, you know, for that breakthrough to happen. Let's first talk about King David's uh, breakthrough. We're, we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. I'm going to read it out of the, the, the living Bible here. So again, 1 Chronicles 14, 8. Uh, and it says, when, when the Philistines heard that David was Israel's new king, they mobilized their forces to capture him. But David learned that they, ha- that they were on the way. So he called together his army. The Philistines were riding the valley, valley of, of Rephaim, and David asked the Lord, If I go out to fight them, Will you give, the, give me the victory? And the Lord replied, Yes, I will. So he, he attacked them at Baal Perizim and wiped them out. He exulted, God has used me to sweep away my enemies, like water bursting through a dam. That is why the place has been known as Baal Perazim ever since, meaning the place of breaking through. Jerry Seville preaches an awesome message on this called The Lord of the Breakthrough, and, and, and it's fantastic. But King David, he had breakthrough there. And, and what, did he, what did David do before he went out to fight the Philistines? What did he do? He prayed, he consulted with God. And so many times, you know, there's, there's different type of people. There's people that make things happen, people that watch things happen, and then people that sit around and go like, what happened? They, they, they just miss it all, right? And so it's like you gotta fall in the middle of the first two, you know? A lot of times we, we move so fast, we get out in front of God and then we wanna ask him to bless the things that we do, rather than, like David did, consulting with God here first. And, and the story goes on to say, you know, that, that he consulted with God again. And the interesting thing was the next time, he didn't just fight, he, he actually, God gave him a different strategy. And that's a lesson for us, that, that when we are looking for breakthrough from God, the strategy is, isn't going to be the same each and every time. And, and again, the reason being God just wants to spend time with you. He wants to teach you. He wants to, you, know, you, you to experience things and, and build and grow your faith so you can teach other people those same things. But you know, I find that you know, a lot of people, they seem to go out and just try different things and, and, and do it on their own strength and their own ingenuity, but what do they end up doing? They, they get frustrated. You know, and when you get frustrated long enough, you end up quitting. You know, and, and so again, if you consult with God first... Um, that's the main thing. So that's, that's point one on, on uh, breakthrough. Let's go to Acts chapter nine, verse three. In the, in the New King James, I'm reading out of here. So Acts chapter nine, verse three, it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And this is the, the conversion of Saul to Paul on the road, road to Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, so Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's when the conversion happened. You know, he was on his way on the road to Damascus. He's going to go kill Christians, right? On his way to go kill Christians. And then, you know, God gets his attention and he says, who are you, Lord? And the moment he, you know, if you confess with, with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment he confessed, who are you, Lord? And then he asked him, and then he makes him Lord of his life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Imagine that. Imagine being with Saul and, and, and that light shines down, you know, talk about trembling and, and uh, you know, being scared. But, but here's the thing. Saul didn't do what David did. He did not consult with God before he, before he left. But God got Saul's attention. He got his attention anyway. Saul wasn't out looking for God. You know, I think of, of as I was putting this together, I thought of, of, of your story, Jesse Johnston, of, of how, you know, you're on that doorstep. You weren't there looking for God. You know, that was the last thing he was there looking for, but God got his attention, you know, and, and then he did the same thing Saul did. The next day he comes and finds somebody that, that can share the gospel with him because he knew something happened in here and I believe that was the moment he was saved and then he heard, you know, came and, and put action to, you know, what, what, what happened, that, that supernatural experience that happened to Jesse on the doorstep, just like the same supernatural uh, experience that happened to Saul when he was blinded and, and then, you know, he ends up changing to Paul and and the conversion and, and, you know, the story goes on, right? And he wrote the majority of the New Testament that that we're studying out of tonight. So again, consult with God. If you don't, God's going to get your attention. I guess that's the the main point of of breaking through here. You know, so the story goes, as I was talking to this guy about, uh, you know, in business and he was helping me out, you know, he starts asking me questions. He said, hey, you know, these, these four C's and this breakthrough, he says, what's your business look like three to five years from now? You know, what does what your life look, what's your life look like three to five years from now? And I said, you know, uh, I don't really know. You know, I just didn't have a vision, right? I didn't have a vision for what it looked like. And, and again, that's what we talked about on, on uh, Sunday. And, and, and one of the most important questions that you can ask is, is if we were having this conversation a year from today, and you're looking back on that time, what has to happen with your, your spiritual life, your marriage, your finances, your health, any area that you, you want to choose for you to feel happy with your progress. And that's that's having vision for your future and being able to, to break through and get there. You first gotta be able to write that down. And I didn't have that vision. And so I'm sitting here thinking that I need confidence, like I need some wins he said, you know, we need to get you a breakthrough, and this is how that breakthrough happens. He said, confidence is, is the fourth factor. The very first thing you need to do is you need to commit. You know, you need to commit to, to what it is that you're going to do. You're going to buckle down, and you're going to figure it out. And, and it's the same way in our own lives, right? We've got to commit to what it is that we want three to five years from now, or a year from now. If we don't like our circumstances and, and the view and the way things are now, we've got to commit to a different future. First, we've got to have a vision, and, and you know, be willing to have that breakthrough, consult with God, but again, it's up to you to make that commitment. And a commitment is simply dedicating yourself to something like a person or a cause. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest commitments is, is marriage. You know, entering into a, a marriage co- covenant is a huge commitment. You know, having kids is another huge commitment. You know, going into business, uh, that's a big commitment. It's changing careers, becoming a Christian. You know, I think so many times, um, you know, it's like being honest with people about what it means to be a Christian. You know, people come forward, which is awesome. They give their life to the Lord, but it's like they don't want to—they don't want to set aside, you know, the sins. It's like, hey, can I can I get saved? But you know, I still want to smoke a little weed. You know, can I get saved? But you know, still still, you know, drink my whiskey or, or, or whatever. And it's like, you know what, you, you go sit back down for a little bit and, and, and let's put that weed pipe aside, you know, and then come forward. You know, not necessarily forward, but again, when you're ready to really commit, you know, then all that stuff will, it, it just won't hold any meaning anymore. And I know that's a process. And for some people it happens overnight and other people it happens over time and so forth. But it starts with a commitment. Psalms chapter 37 verse five says, commit your way to the Lord, to trust in him and he will act. But that's the first thing is you're to commit to him and trust him and then he will act. So it's like, I can't remember one of the ministers that come here, he said, you know, it's like a chess match. You move, he moves. You move, he moves. And it is that commitment that you're making to him. Proverbs chapter 16, verse three says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and then he will establish your plans, right? Commit to the Lord whatever you do And then he will establish your plans. How many times, once again, do we just go out and and go about our day, never consulting with God, never asking him any questions and just moving way out ahead of God and then you find yourself, you know, out under the shadow of the Almighty wondering how you got there. But again, it's because you didn't consult with him first. You didn't commit to him first. It was like Saul there and he had to have the conversion. Revelation chapter three, verse 15, it says, Jesus said, I wish that you were either hot or cold, He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, right? That's commitment right there. He, Jesus wants you to commit, to make a decision. I heard, I heard uh, Todd White speak one time, and he said, he said you know, he, he had a guy that said, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. I got one foot in, and I got one foot out. And Todd White had a revelation where, where God revealed to him, he said, you know, he said, the devil owns the fence. And you think about that. He wants you either hot or cold not lukewarm and not straddling the fence, and that's commitment. Say, I'm committed. I'm committed. <laughs> Hopefully you're just processing. I, I, I love feedback, that's for sure. <laughs> ask yourself this question on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being, I don't even know why I'm here. 10, I'm sold out and committed. Where would you say you're at on, the, on that scale? 1 to 10. You know, that's always the question you want to ask yourself. When I, when I meet with 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 prospects in the gym that that are are looking at starting a training program. I first ask them, what do they want? What are your goals? Then I ask them why they want to reach their goals. What's their purpose and reason, because that's going to drive them. The third question always is, is that scale of 1 to 10, tell me where you're at. Most times they say at about a 9 or 10. The interesting thing is, is once the rubber meets the road, and it's time to you know, do the workouts, do the nutrition, you know, all that stuff, Man, we go from maybe a 9 or a 10 down to, I don't know, 4 or 5 or or whatever it is, and that's fine, and I always tell them that. Hey, it's your goal for your life. My job is to help you reach your goal. But if that goal changes, you got to let me know, because otherwise I will be frustrated because I'm thinking that you're committed to reaching that goal when you're really not. You're not willing to, to put in the things necessary. And again, it's totally fine. And I think about pastors, and I especially think about God or you know, the Holy Spirit, how he must get frustrated with us. It's like, hey, you know, you're praying and you're telling me what you want, and you're saying that you're committed, <clears throat> but your actions are proving otherwise. Amen? So it's getting up to a 10 with that. So we're going to talk about commitment here with the story of Ruth and Naomi. So uh, Ruth chapter 1, so that's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Ruth. Huh? Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Botch that one. Thank you. After Judges. So, let's set this up. Chapter 1, verse 6 is where we're starting. So, <clears throat> Elimelech and Naomi had two sons, Malon and Kilion. They went to Moab because of a famine in Israel. Okay, so, so they're leaving where they're, they're living at. There's a famine in Israel, so they go out over to Moab because they heard there was food over there. And the two boys ended up ma- marrying for- foreigners that were from Moab. One is named Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah, and the other one's named Ruth, okay? Uh, all three men ended up dying. So say the women poisoned them. No, they didn't do that, they didn't do that. But it it makes you wonder, I mean, how do all three guys die and the women keep on living? So Ruth chapter 1, I better get myself there as well, verse 6, and we're in the New Living Translation here, so you can either um, follow along in your Bible or or read up top. So 1 verse 6, it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. Uh, So Naomi and her daughters, so now again, they're in Moab, And now they heard that uh, there's blessing back in Judah. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. So they're they're all on the journey together, all three of them, uh, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we wanna go with you to your people. It sounds like commitment. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. Plus, that'd be creepy. I mean, your mother-in-law has two kids, two boys, and then you wait for them to grow up, and they're going to be your husbands. (laughs) Of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now, remember in the Old Testament, they didn't have a full revelation of who God was, so they believed everything came, they didn't, the New Testament says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, but they didn't have that revelation yet, so they thought everything came from God, you know, back in the Old Testament, whether it was good or bad, they thought it all came from God, so that that statement she made, um, what'd she say, the the Lord himself has raised his fist against me, so she thought the Lord was was against her. Verse 14 it says, and again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, she said see ya, I'm out of here. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. That's what commitment looks like right there. When she made that statement, and then Naomi saw that Ruth wasn't gonna leave, she didn't fight her anymore about it. Ruth was absolutely committed in this situation, and nothing against Orpah. I mean, she had all right to, to go back and, and be with her family you know, and, and, and live out her land, but here's the cool thing. Because of Ruth's commitment, she ha- ended up having favor from God, and she ended up marrying Boaz. Okay, so when they went back to, um, you know, their homeland, Boaz was a relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech, and Boaz was a rich dude. He owned a bunch of land, um, he had a a lot of people working for him, and so forth, and basically, yeah, Ruth found favor with with Boaz, in the eyes of the Lord. But think about this, Ruth and Boaz, they ended up getting married, and, and Obed, you know, was their, their child. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of, of King David. Who came through the lineage of King David? Jesus, our Messiah, right? So think about that. Had Ruth not been committed to Naomi, and she was a foreigner, had she not been committed to Naomi, they wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't have married Boaz and, and, and had Obed, and, and, you know, I'm sure God would have figured out a way to, to get Jesus in here, but, you know, it's just once again... When you look at the story of Joseph and just the path he had to go on, and the story of Ruth and the path she went on, and and how you just never know what you're committing to today, as long as it's from the Lord, what it can amount to down the road. She had no idea that the Messiah was going to come through her lineage when she committed to her her mother in law, Naomi. But she kept her commitment, and God honored her faithfulness. Isn't that awesome? So commitment. The first step to breakthrough is taking a leap, leap of faith and committing. I mean, that's just it. you got to commit. You can't wait until everything, every T is dotted, every I is crossed, and everything's perfect. And, and here's the deal. There's no doubt it's going to be scary. When you commit to having a breakthrough, commit to having something new, commit to something that you're not used to, it's, it's going to be scary. And so the first C of breakthrough is commitment. The second C is courage. Right? I thought I needed confidence, but I had to commit, and then I had to go through this courage phase. And this courage phase, and, I, and I'm still going through it, it's awful. This is the awful stage. You know, it's, it's, it's the one we avoid the most because it's uncomfortable. You know, who loves being uncomfortable? Who would choose to lose their job and all their income tomorrow and be uncomfortable so you have an opportunity to commit and, and, and go through the courage phase and, and figure it out? We, we would never choose that. But a lot of times, you know, stuff like that happens, like the story of Joseph, like pastors coming up here. They had to commit. Think about that. Think of the commitment that they made, you know, when their kids were were young, they walked away from a a thriving business, committed to coming up to Sioux Falls, to to planting this church. They had to have a lot of courage to go through it, and they still have to have a lot of courage to continue to go through it, But because they're still going through breakthrough after breakthrough, after breakthrough, the, 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 Bible, or the dictionary says courage is simply bravery or the ability to face difficult difficulty or danger, and it says without fear, and, and I completely disagree with that. I think you do it scared, and there's different types of fear, right? So there's a type of fear where, you know, there's a healthy fear, like if you're going to bungee jump or if you're standing at the top of a cliff and you're going to go cliff diving, you know, it's, it's like you're, you're fearful, or you're scared of, 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 of jumping, that's a healthy fear. There's the spirit of fear, you know, what the Bible talks about in, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, right? So that's a different, I'm not talking about that type of fear, I'm talking about that healthy fear of like fear of the unknown, the uncertain. But yet we know that God's with us and, and, and that we're going to break through and we're going we're gonna to do it scared anyway, right? I heard, I heard the best story of, of courage was like, you know, it's, it's like a little kid. I've, I've coached kids baseball before, and man, they're scared when, it, when, it's, when it's kid pitch. I mean, I'd be scared too, because when it's kid pitch, the ball could be way over there, you know, it could come at their head, it could go absolutely anywhere, you know, within a, a, a radius of, of the ball diamonds. But you've got a kid that's standing in the box, and he's watching, and maybe it's gonna be his first time coming up. The kid maybe wets his pants, because he's so scared. But courage is getting up to the plate with wet pants. That's courage. He's scared, but he does it anyway, amen? It's fighting through that fear. And here's some examples of, of courage. You know, the, the Lord maybe prompts you to pray for somebody. You know, I, I remember back years ago in the gym, I was, I, I was training this guy. Um, actually, we had went to high school together. He was younger than me. And uh, they were having, you know, real tough time uh, getting pregnant. And, and I remember we got done with the training session. I'm in the bathroom. And I knew. It. And it was like, in my spirit, it comes up, you need to pray for him. And I'm like, I'm just like, no, I'm not praying for him. I'm just, you know, I'm thinking like, well, this is just my thought or whatever, or, you know, devil, I rebuke you, you know, like the devil's gonna have me pray for somebody to have a child, right? So this is what's all going through my mind. I'm like, I'm not praying for him. And it's like, no, you need, you know, it just wouldn't leave. Like, you need to pray for him. And, and this was, you know, I just didn't have the courage to do that at the time. You know, plus he, you know, he's a pretty good buddy. And it was just kind of, I thought it was gonna be awkward. And finally, in my spirit, I heard, you pray, I'll work. And I'm like, all right. So we went and sat in the office, and it was totally awkward. And I was like, hey man, like, you know about my past, and you know, kind of what I went through, and you know, I'm a Christian, and uh, you know, and, and he's just fine. But I'm like stuttering through all this stuff. And I said, you know, I said, God, you know, just really put on my heart to pray for you, for you guys to to be able to have a child. And he's like, man, that's awesome. And so we prayed, um, and it, it was just a short time later. They didn't have a child naturally, but they they you know had an, they were up for uh, they were they were going to adopt. And, and he told me the story later. He was like, the adoption, they, they said they've not had a smoother adoption where it was like the family picked them, you know, they had the baby, there was no recourse, there was no nothing. It was just completely smooth sailing. Now, I didn't know how it was going to work. It wasn't about me. But again, he always, he still shares that story with me today because I had the courage to do, to pray and, and, and do what, uh, you know, God impressed on my heart. You know, now I've got more courage to do that stuff because I've done it enough times and I've never had somebody, you know, deny or, or not want, want to pray. But again, it's getting through that courage phase. You know, and most people, they admire courage in, in others, but we definitely don't like to experience it ourselves, right? But again, this is the crucial step that, that we've got to take. So, you know, another form. Maybe you've been thinking of, of leading a small group or, or discipling somebody. You know, all of us should be discipling somebody. And and I will tell you, this Word of God does not stay any more fresh than when you're teaching it to a brand new believer. When they're asking you questions and and everything that they're learning is brand new, it makes it brand new to you all over again. You know, and and that's the most powerful thing that you can do is is disciple somebody. You know, so maybe leading a small group and and it's like, just do it. Just step out, commit, and, and do it. Find a couple people and start teaching them, you will grow, you will get more out of it than they get out of it. I, I promise you that. But again, it takes courage. You know, Stepping into a new career or a, or a new business venture, again, it's that fear of, the, fear of the unknown. I remember back when I hopped back into the, the fitness industry, I, I worked for Greg for a short period of time when I first got out of prison, and, and you know, Melissa was just not certain that you know, I, was, I had changed. You know, and I don't blame her. I mean, I was a train wreck before. So she's like, if you get back in the fitness industry right away, it was maybe very likely that I would have back into the old lifestyle, and, and I respected that. And, uh, you know, she had one day where she said, you know what, I, I feel like, um, you know, basically you're ready, or we came in agreement on it, and, and I started working back in the gym for a buddy of mine, and uh, I remember that first week I worked, and I trained one person for free. And I'm like, God, how is this going to work, Right? Got a wife and a two and a half year old at home. I remember going and getting a Domino's Pizza application because I was willing to, I was committed. I was willing to do whatever it took, you know, to, to get back in and, and, and fulfill my dream, but it took courage. And on that Friday, I ended up leading one of the other trainers to the Lord, and that was confirmation for me that I was in the right place at the right time and in the center of God's will. Now, everything else did not look good, but again, having that courage to step through it. And again, you know, pastors needed courage to come up here. And always remember that. It's, it takes a lot of courage, you know, to lead a congregation. And, and, and they take on a lot of times the things that we're dealing with. So again, always remember that. Be praying for them at all times. And, and be encouraging them and lifting them up. Because there's just a lot of weight, you know, and a lot of responsibility on them. You know, Ruth, same thing. She had to have courage to leave her Moab, her homeland, and, and go back you know, with, with Naomi. But again, that, that courage paid off because she was committed. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's the best part. You know God is going to be with you the whole way. But you've got to take that first step and he'll meet you there. Psalms chapter 23, verse 4, you know it well. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, you know, anytime you're in a, in a situation where you need courage, it's standing on those scriptures. You know, I know you're with me here, Lord. I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it scared. And I'm gonna take that next step, and, and he will grace you. So many times, he, you know, it's like a lot of times before I get up and, and share, man, I, I'm nervous, but the second I walk up in here, it's like he graces me to step into this. But that doesn't happen until I step up. And it's the same way in all of our lives for everything that we do. Until you step out, he's not going to put that that grace upon you to get through it. Here's a confession that you think about. You know, when you're going through the courage courage phase, it's just, I'm just going through the courage phase right now, and with my experience and God's grace, I will get through it. So you're just saying that to yourself over and over. I'm just going through the courage phase right now. I'm just going through the courage phase right now. With, with my experience and God's grace and you couple those together, I'm gonna get through it. He's gonna see you through, amen? amen. Commitment, courage, the next is capability. Capability is simply skill or, or the power or ability to do something. You're, you're gonna develop you know, a skill or a talent and you're going to have a, an experience once you break through and you go through that. But most people quit in the courage phase. They retreat and they go back. And they just say, it's too hard. This isn't God. You know, whatever it is. And, and they retreat and they go back. But once you get through the courage phase, or as you're getting through the courage phase, you're going to develop new skill sets. You know, I think about in marriage, you know, some people have never seen or experienced a healthy relationship. And, and I remember when you know, Melissa and I first, first started dating and so forth, it was like the, the conversation when it got heated, it was like who could ever yell the loudest was gonna win, okay? And, and some people, that's all they've ever experienced, and so we had to grow up through that. We had to, to see some different things, like I watched pastors and, and how they treated one another and all that stuff, and, and, you know, I developed those new skill sets, both of us did with that. And again, you know, it, it's, it's, it's having mentors in, in your life in those areas so that, that you can see what, what healthy relationships and, and so forth look like. We had to develop a new skill, which was how to communicate without wanting to tear each other's head off. Amen? Anybody been there? Parenting. You know, you're typically going to parent the way you were parented. I got a buddy that, he was like, yeah, my dad, he always just flicked me. So he flicked his kids. He flicked his ear. And I'm like... No, you don't flick them, you know, you, you, you give them the rod, you know, time out, that doesn't work, count to ten, that doesn't work. You know, we learned here that it's the rod of correction, and, and this isn't anything, you know, I remember when I got home from prison, Melissa was living with, with the in-laws, I, I moved in with them, uh, interesting times, I'll, I'll just say that, so Melissa and I, and, and Noah was about two and a half, and I remember, you know, we'd be there at dinner time, and, and Noah, man, yeah, he knew how to work it. He'd, he'd all of a sudden get a gut ache, and he's like laying across the bench. He'd have to sit on his grandpa's lap to eat, and he'd sit there, and he'd look at me like, ha, 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 like, I'm doing this. And, you know, I remember saying, too, I'm like, I'm like kid, take a nap or what? And, and Melissa's like, no, he doesn't want to take a nap. I'm like, he's two and a half. He doesn't get a choice. Like, like, we decide this for him. And this isn't anything about Melissa's parenting. Product of her environment, right? I was in prison, so I have no legs to stand on here. But I just came home and I was like, okay, things aren't really you know lined up the way that they should be so we had to do some different things in there because again otherwise we're just going to parent the way we were parented and again took commitment, took courage to get through it and we had to develop some new skill sets some new, some new capabilities. does that make sense? Finances if, if you were never taught how to manage money then you got to You just go in and figuring it out doesn't work very well. You know, it's taking a course or, or, you know, Dave Ramsey, you know, when we do Total Money Makeover here, doing something like that. It's not something that you're just going to basically figure out on your own. Spiritually, and again, it's not about memorizing a bunch of scripture. It's about learning how to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father you know, through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes, like I had to unlearn a few things. You know, I came from a denominational background. It's so, like when I came in, it was like the baggage that I was carrying, I had to put those bags down. And it was almost more difficult for me than it was for Melissa because she didn't have any church upbringing. She didn't have anything to unlearn. So she was like a sponge and she just trusted and, and came in where I had a problem with everything. You know, this tongues thing, this is goofy. Like, how do you, what's the Holy Spirit like? Take control of you or, or you know, I'm analytical, so I'm trying to reason all this stuff out, Right? And it took, it took courage to, to, to develop those new skills and, and get, get through it. You know, and, and I'm constantly listening and watching Pastor Mike, how does he pray? You know, how is he communicating with his wife? How is he treating his kids? All those different things. And that's, that's when you've got a true mentor, when you can watch somebody from across the room and, and they're pouring into you, but they don't even know that they're pouring into you. They're, they're just leading by example and, and you're learning by their example. Okay, so that's, that's that capability or that, that skill set stage. And if you got to learn some skills, you got to humble yourself. I don't care how old you are. you just got to humble yourself and do it. Because, again, otherwise, the worst thing for me is, is for next year at this time to be the same person that I'm, I am now, to waste a whole year to not grow, to not expand, to not get better in, in every area of life. And, and it should be the same way for you. You should be every day wanting to learn Grow, be challenged, be strengthened, be encouraged, not get offended when they when they're sharing stuff to 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 make you better and all that stuff, because again, you want to grow and, and, and you want to get better. The final step, and this is this is what it all ties down to, is confidence. So we, we want to break through, we commit to it, we have the courage to go through it, we develop the capabilities and the skill sets, and then finally we have the confidence, we get that confidence. That we're looking for. And, and if you think about it like a like a visual, if you've got a sheet of paper here, I'd put breakthrough in the middle, I'd put commitment, capability, or excuse me, courage, capability, and confidence. And then I'd tie an arrow to each because it's just this cycle. As you get more confidence, you'll commit to more. As you're more committed, you'll have more courage, you'll develop greater skills and your confidence will go up and you'll have even greater breakthrough. And it's just this perpetual cycle that goes up and up and up. But again, really the key part is, is that courage phase. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, when we're talking about confidence, it says this, so do not throw away this confidence, this confident trust in the Lord. Confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. You've got to have confidence in the Lord. That's where your your hope comes from. And that comes from spending time with God, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, putting yourself with other like-minded believers that are moving in in the direction that that you want to move in. That's how you develop that, that confidence. And the new level of confidence you experience after a breakthrough is, again, what's going to give you the ability to commit to even bigger and bigger breakthroughs and, and just continue to, to grow. Now, you also have to have confidence in yourself. And that's where I was struggling the most. You know, and, and it's awesome because you know, when, when, you, when you turn this over to God, I mean, he, he just wants you to bring it to him you know, and, and, and spending time with him and, and just telling him where I'm at and, and, and what I am struggling and so forth. It's just been amazing to watch him not only grace our lives, but bring right people into our lives. And, and you know, things on the outside don't always look that good, but we walk by faith and not by sight, right? And that's having spiritual vision and, and, and moving forward with all of it. You know, I think about pastors, you know, it, that 1035 says or 36 it says, "Then you will receive all that he has promised." When, when they came here 39 years ago, you know and, and they had a vision for, for building a, a building, think about that. they had to build it person by person, by person. And anytime you're dealing with human beings, you know you know how it works, right? And, and they built that up and, and they had the courage to do it, and now they're living in, in that vision and in that dream, and I'm sure it's exceeded every expectation that they had 39 years ago. Amen? And we're living in that vision. Isn't that cool? That vision that they had 39 years ago. Amen? So again, breakthrough comes from commitment, courage, capability, and finally that confidence, and then you have breakthrough in your life.